Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. This morning we're going to look at Ephesians 6.10, which talks about the whole armour of God. And um, if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and the first those eight verses, I'll just read those through to you. So starting at verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and God's body armour of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. And he starts off by saying, a final word. Or in some versions say, from now on, or finally my brethren. And Paul has spoken all through Ephesians, as Phil was saying earlier. Um, I hope that it's enlightened us, it's shaped us, it's changed us. But Paul, through Ephesians, has talked about the incredible greatness of God, his incredible power, God's purpose for our lives our higher calling, our standards in life. And yet finishing this letter, he says this, that to attain to all that, to keep constant in all that, there's going to be a battle, a spiritual battle. And he's speaking of his own experience and warning us and advising us to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You know, this translates, it means to be more powerful, to be empowered And I want to live an empowered life. I want to live a more powerful life. Because I read in John 10.10 in the New American Standard, it says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Some versions say, in all of its fullness. And God wants us to live in all his fullness. He doesn't just want us to have little bits here and there. And when we live a life in step with Christ, within his will, we cannot fail to be more powerful and more empowered. But in my notes here, I've put this in red with the word must highlighted. But we must be in his will, within his orbit, literally with him in the centre of everything in our lives. In verse 11, it says, put on all. There's a real sense of urgency there. Put on all of God's armour so that you will will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this darkness, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Some versions have the word wrestle. And I prefer wrestling. Because in my experience, a fight is usually over quite quickly. 
but wrestling goes on for a while. And wrestling can get very sweaty and very tiring, can't it? And, um, yeah, you remember, some of us are old enough to remember the wrestling on a Saturday. But, uh, <laughs> but God, we are wrestling. And it's important to remember that there are rulers and authorities in the unseen world, powers in dark worlds and evil spirits in heavenly places. And by heavenly places, I don't mean that demons exist in heaven or heaven is upwards. Heavenly places refers to eternity, which is outside of our space-time world. And these manifest themselves in things that we see, in the things that we hear, in the things that we experience. There are influences on the world stage, the changes around us in terms of morality, social beliefs, and what we consider to be acceptable, or what the world now considers to be acceptable. It's not merely saying that there's a, a personal little devil sitting on your shoulder whispering in your ear. Do you remember that Tom and Jerry cartoon where there was a, a devil and a saint one on each shoulder and he was like deciding which one to do? That's not what this is saying. We only have to pick up the, a paper, turn the TV on or interact with folk to immediately see that we are at odds with their beliefs, their lifestyle and their stance in many areas. So as believers, we need to stand and stand firm. We're not allowing the world to influence us, to change us, to change our beliefs that are contrary to the word of God. Verse 11 says, Put on all God's armour so that you'll stand firm against all the strategies of the devil and therefore put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand and resist the devil in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you'll be still standing firm, stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. And I think what Paul's saying is that he wants us to stand firm. There's going to be opposition if we follow Christ in this fallen world. Because, but God doesn't want us to be pushed around. He doesn't want us to be buffeted in every direction. But he wants us to stand firm. And therefore it's important that we suit up and we put on the whole armour and stand firm against the world and the devil. Paul was held in prison many times and he was possibly chained to a Roman soldier and his thoughts may have turned to the fact that he was also a soldier, a soldier of Christ. And the armour of God is an illustration in the word that reminds us of the reality of the spiritual battle that we all face and describes the protection that is available to us. It's not a convenient scripture that lends itself to Sunday school classes. Because I have to be honest with you, I've never studied this. And the only time that I've ever heard it talked about is in junior church. So it's been a revelation to me as well. But every piece of armour has a distinct purpose and a means of defence against temptation of the devil. And we can talk about daily suiting up of the armour of God and feel that's very abstract. But with prayer and understanding, we can understand that there is an armour that we should wear. However, I have to say that the word of God and the reading of it is a pre-context to maintaining good armour. The belt of truth. It starts in verse 14 by saying, stand your ground, put on the belt of truth. Well, the belt of truth holds everything together. For some people, it holds their trousers up. But everything hangs off the belt. And 
In all honesty, the belt is not a piece of armour. But every piece of armour of God starts with the belt of truth. And if, you don't, if we don't begin with truth, we're never going to defeat the enemy. Because Jesus said that his word is truth. And this is what it truly means to stand firm, to be in truth. In John 17, 17, uh, Jesus said this, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The word of God is truth. Everything we face, everything we confess, everything we believe must be measured against the word of God. We can't make things up or decide that that's relevant for this time. The word of God is truth. That's final. There's no discussion on that as far as I'm concerned. Some versions um, regarding the belt of truth describe it as having girded up your loins, which is um, in the American standard. And that's a very uncommon term in our modern day (laughs) conversations. Uh, It's contemporary. It means that nowadays, if you say you're girding up your loins, you're like, you're ready for a challenge. And the loins generally refer to the lower part of the body, which is where the term below the belt comes from. And the word loincloth is used in the Bible. It's not something that Tarzan used to wear, but it's referred in the Bible as a uh, piece of clothing that covers the lower part of the body. And the fruit of one's loins refers to our offspring. And that has found in the King James. And some, when I meet my boys, I often hug them and say, oh, the fruit of my loins, which, which embarrasses them immensely, and that's why I say it. <laughs> but the long tunic was not a typical... It was a very typical garment in ancient era. And the phrase to gird up one's loins described the process of raising and securing the lower portion of the tunic so that you could increase your mobility or your work load or indeed go into battle and again it nowadays it's preparing yourself for action but our loins need to be wrapped in truth regardless of the culture of time and the loins are long robes they're not part of the armor but it's important that our inward parts that are hidden are in order and and give glory to God our identity is more than our sexuality but it's one facet of our lives it's often seen as a definer And the first area of life which the enemy frequently attempts to rattle us is our sense of identity. And the things pertaining to sexuality are easy pickings for him. And we need to have freedom regarding sexuality. We need to know the truth of who we are and that only Jesus can set us free. Truth. The first piece of armour is the belt of truth. Truth, by its very definition, is exclusive. It means that something is true and all the other things are lies. That's so simple. And the enemy is the father of lies, and every lie finds its origin in him. But when we trust in God's word, it's the only thing that will set us free. But, because I read in John eight thirty two, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the armour hangs off the belt, The armour is all around the robe because that's truth. And so we have to start with truth. And it's interesting that every single piece of armour always points back to the word, the truth. 
the truth. The truth will set us free. Then we come to the breastplate of righteousness. This is a piece of armour. And righteousness means being made right. And scripture refers to righteousness that Christ gives his righteousness. We read in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In our daily battles, his righteousness has made us righteous in his sight. And, that's, and the breastplate of righteousness is to protect our hearts. And we need the complete righteousness of Christ, but also the continuing righteousness that comes as a response to God's gift. See, the enemy, he tempts us with all sorts of sinful entanglements, but righteousness protects our heart. And I am confident this morning of God's approval because he's made me righteous. And our hearts, they represent our emotions, our self-worth, our trust, which are protected by him with the breastplate of righteousness. And God's instructions are often viewed as killjoys or burdens, but obedience to God protects our heart from being wounded by sin. For shoes, verse 15, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Peace that comes from the good news. Peace is an attribute of the very person of Jesus. You know, when we want peace or when we think about Jesus, we, we automatically think about peace, don't we? Jesus is peace. We think about him, peace comes into our lives. And... We see that in Galatians uh, chapter, two, uh, chapter 5, verse 22, where it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, and kindness. And in Greek, the word peace means getting everything together. You know, sometimes when I'm not at peace, my wife will say to me, you need to get yourself together. <laughs> she says it like that as well. I know you can't believe that, but she does actually say it like that. You need to get yourself together. And the gospel means good news. It's the forgiveness of sins and access to the oneness with God through Christ. And oneness with the Lord produces peace. And it means that all that we're doing for Christ at the moment isn't worthless, it isn't hopeless, it isn't too big, it isn't of no value. Because Ephesians repeatedly reminds us to stand and to stand firm. And one of the easiest ways for the enemy to succeed in shaking us loose is to tempt us with worry so that we don't stand firm. And we need to make sure that we've got a good foothold. You know, I've got a friend of mine and we were talking about sports the other day and he plays rugby and the other guy plays football and they said to me, what sort of sports do you like playing? And I said, well, don't laugh. So, and I said, well... I used to play a lot of snooker. And he said to me, he said, well, snooker's not a sport. And I said, why is it not a sport? And he says, because you don't have to change your shoes. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. And what God's saying to us this morning is we've got to make sure we've got the right shoes on, the right shoes for the job. <laughs> we must make sure that we're not going into no-go areas that destroys our peace. You know, when we get concerned or worried, we go, I do anyway, I go straight to Philippians 4, 6. We, and we often read this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray 
about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as we live in Christ. And we think, oh, that's wonderful. But what we don't do is we don't read the next bit. And the next bit says, now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. It says it again. Fix your thoughts on what's true, what's honourable, what's right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me and everything you've heard and seen me doing. And then the God of peace will be with you. See, when we carry anxiousness and worry with us, we're robbed of peace. But the gospel of peace keeps our feet anchored and standing firm. And we can't be in peace if we keep having little furages into no-go areas because our peace is taken away from us. So we need to make sure that we have the right shoes on going to the right places. The shield of faith, verse 16. Hold up the shield of faith against the fiery arrows of the devil. When Paul wrote this passage, Roman soldiers carried shields that were covered in a heavy animal hide. And before a battle, they would dip the shields in water and soak them so that when the fiery darts hit the wet hide, they would be extinguished. Now, I can't imagine what it's like to have a fire. I've had a dart. My brother and I, we used to throw darts at each other as children, (laughs) but they were never on fire. So, yeah, I know know what it's like to have a dart thrown at me. I've still got the scars. But but a fiery dart. Nobody wants a fiery dart. But notice that Paul says, hold up the shield of faith. Some versions say, take up. Faith is always there, but we have to exercise it. We have to lift up the shield of faith. And faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. We read that in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and by hearing the word of Christ. Now, if faith comes by hearing, faith can go by not hearing and not hearing the word of God. And so it's important that we hear the word of God. Back to reading the word again. Sorry, folks. It's all about reading the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And as believers, we need to be dipping our shields daily in the water of the word to make our shields replenished and fully functional because faith comes by hearing. You know, when we get the word of God inside us, it quickens to us sometimes. You know, we face a situation and it quickens to us. But we need to invest first. You can't draw from the bank if you don't put any money in. You have to, there has to be an investing in his word. The helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. You know, salvation comes the moment we place our trust in Jesus. The moment we trust in his death and resurrection as our payment for sin. But salvation is worked out through a a lengthy, lengthy, what word have I put there? Process of sanctification. And if you remember, uh, Chris gave that example when he came and talked about the car with the body, the soul and the spirit. This is what it means to work out our salvation. And the helmet of salvation is a lot like the breastplate of righteousness. It rests on the work of Christ to save us. But it it also involves our journey with the Lord and allowing to work his salvation into every part of our lives and our thoughts. 
And the battlefield for the mind is a primary place where many battles are fought. You know, the Lord, the Lord works his freeing truth into our perspectives while the enemy fights to have strongholds to tie us down, which is why we need to have the right shoes. And this is why we have to wear every piece of armour. I used to use an expression that our mind is like a videotape that never can be wiped. But videotapes are a thing which a lot of people don't, understand, don't know now. So our, our mind is like a hard drive. And I <laughs> just thought I'd bring that, up to, that example up to, uh, up to speed. But I've been told that if you delete something off a computer, it's never actually deleted. It's always there. And it's very important that the things that we put into our eyes go into our mind and they're there forever. They can't be deleted. And we can talk about the sanctification of Christ and God setting us free from things, but they're always there. And you know, you know the things I'm talking about because sometimes when God is doing something great in our lives, we get reminded of it. It's always there. And so we need to be very careful that we make sure that we put nothing into our mind that can call us to stumble. Because the helmet protects us from doubting the great work of salvation that God has performed in our lives. You know, it's interesting, the, the images that I've looked at of Roman helmets, they also have straps that go over the ears. And um, it's important that we also protect what we hear as well. Because again, we can hear things that are not good. And there are some times that we need to walk away. I was in a, a meeting the other day at work and they started to talk about something which I didn't need to hear. And I walked away and everybody came after me and said, why did you walk away, Stephen? I said, because I didn't want to hear what you were saying. They seemed to get very upset about that, but I, I just, <laughs> I thought it's not, this is not going to do me any good. So be careful what you hear. Be careful what you look at. The sword of the Spirit says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the explanation of that piece of armour is right there in the verse. It's the Word of God. But it's the only piece of armour that is defensive and offensive. I, uh, I bought my grandchildren and my granddaughters some swords the other week and it wasn't a good idea because as soon as I gave them to them, they declared war on one another and everybody else. <laughs> They're both defensive and offensive. And when we're tempted by the enemy, the most effective weapon that God has given us as believers is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And Jesus demonstrated this during his temptation in the wilderness when the devil tried to tempt him. And he used the word of God as the sword of the spirit. And we can see this in Luke 4, verse 1 to 13. I I'll, will I'll, we'll read this. When Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, that's a key there, returned from the river Jordan, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus told him, no, the scripture says, and he was quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, people do not live by bread alone. 
And then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'd have loved to have seen that. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. And I will give it all to you if you worship me. And Jesus replied from Deuteronomy 6.13, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you and guard you and they will hold you up in your hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded from Deuteronomy 6.16, the scripture says, you must not put your Lord God to the test. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until his next opportunity came. Notice that, until his next opportunity came. And we mustn't give the devil an opportunity. And the devil tempted him three times and Jesus responded with the truth of God's word every time. You know, when we meet obstacles in our lives, do we counteract them with the word of God? Or do we just go, oh, you know, what's happening to me? Are we dipping our shields every day in the word of God? You see, the word of God is not just fantasy. You know, sometimes you hear people say, oh, I don't feel very well to, oh, I'm healed by the love, you know, I'm healed by God, or they just roll scriptures out. But it's not fantasy, it's not just words, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's that powerful. It's the word of God. Yes. Paul finishes by saying this, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Now, I don't believe that prayers cannot be quite described as part of the armour. However, the description um, of believers' equipment for conflict and protection, I, I can't believe doesn't include a reference to prayer. And our conversations with God need to be constant and not regular. And what I mean by that is, it is good to get up in the morning and pray. It is good to pray when you go to bed. But communication needs to be constant. And I know that if I only spoke to Mandy when I got up in the morning, and only spoke to her when I went to bed at night, there'd be a problem. (laughs) Communication is vital in any relationship. And so, I don't know about you, but I talk to God all the time. It doesn't mean that I go on my knees, but I'm all the time talking to God, asking him for help, what would I do with that? And you know, sometimes he speaks back to me. Believe that? I'd like to finish by saying a prayer. Um, I found this prayer, and it's to do with the armour of God. And there's a few things that I've changed in it, because I didn't like them. I didn't think they were right. And there's a few things I've added into it. But I think it's, I think it's really important that we pray this prayer. Um, so I'd just like to finish by praying this together. I'll read it to you. But it's, it just, for me, encapsulates everything that God is saying about the armour of God. Thank you, Lord. Father, help us to prepare for any battle that we may face through our lives. Help us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus as we go through today 
or in the future. Help us to stand strong and not live in the fear of the enemy, the future circumstances or what is going on around us. Lord, equip us today with the armour of God. We, we put on the belt of truth. We gird up our loins, ready to run with you, knowing who we are in Christ and that our identity is in you. May your truth rule our hearts, our minds and through our words. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. Apart from you, Jesus, there is none righteous. Though, Jesus, though through Jesus I have been born again, I have been made righteous in your sight. Help us to live as righteous people. We put on the shoes of peace and pray that they may be firmly grounded in the good news of what Jesus did on the cross. We make sure that our footing is sure, that we avoid no-go areas in our lives. Lord, help us to reflect the gospel in our words, in our actions, that through us, we may shine Jesus' light and others may be drawn to you. We take up the shield of faith for any fiery darts that may come our way. Thank you that in Jesus we have the victory. No matter what tactics the enemy may throw at us, God has everything under control. We continue to read your word, washing our shields, making us impervious to the fiery darts of the enemy. We put on the helmet of salvation. Lord, protect our minds and remind us that nothing can separate us from you or your love. We have been saved by grace through faith. Protect our ears, Lord, from lies concerning your word. Let us seek the truth and only that which is righteous and uplifting. We take the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, Lord, as we open your word, let your Holy Spirit open our eyes to see new things about you and our minds and hearts will be opened as you lead us. May we be filled with the Spirit and ready with your word. Help us memorise your word and keep it safe in our hearts. Lord, remind us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Help us strive to always be in constant communication with you. Cause us to be alert, to be joyful, and give thanks in everything. Father, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Benji's going to come and play. And I just think this would be a great opportunity to allow some things to sink into our spirit and to confirm them in our hearts and where we feel that there are areas where we need to tighten up a bit that we can just give those to the Lord and ask him for his strength and guidance in that. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.